Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty well. A little bit rested uh, after a long weekend with Labor Day. How about you? Doing well. Uh, so what did you do on Labor Day this year? Let's see. I did some stuff around the house. I can't even remember. Cut the grass, and then we had a birthday party to go to. So, um, yeah, just kind of took it easy. How about you? you cook some bacon or something? We did have steak. We didn't have bacon on yesterday, but uh, we did indeed have steak. So that was delicious as always. So, uh, yeah, and we had some fun with some family. So that was nice. Uh, but, you know, it's a little weird how, you know, this tradition of being off for Labor Day, it makes a little more sense when you understand the labor movement in America. Uh, but it's just an odd way. I mean, a lot of people don't even understand Labor Day. Would you agree with that? Uh, probably so, Yeah. I mean, I honestly don't know a little bit about the history of it, but uh, but you're usually more adept into the history of things anyway. So <laughs> we won't go too into it because that's a little controversial uh, sometimes in Christian circles, uh, the labor day and the labor movement history. Uh, but you know, it does bring up the important topic of labor. Uh, and Labor Day is one of the few policies that we haven't done a podcast about, but we're not really doing a podcast about Labor Day, but we're just kind of using that as a springboard today, but I think a helpful springboard on the topic of labor. Do you think that Christians talk much about labor and about about work? I don't hear a ton. I mean, I, you see some, but uh, it is something worth pursuing because we spend a lot of our lives working, and that may not just be an employment, but uh, God is a God who works, and he's made us in his image, so it is something that we should pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. Now, both of us, our work is mainly as a pastor. That's our vocation, Uh, and I want to ask, how did you end up as a pastor? How did you end up in the vocation that you're in? Well, I do want to note that I'm also a televangelist. Um, I want to start <laughs> introducing myself that way, uh, just to see what kind of reaction it gets, because we, our, t- our church is televised, and so I've shared the gospel on television. But uh, I didn't do it with fancy cufflinks, and you know, for those who know me, they, they, I don't really have the cool televangelist hair. <laughs> but um, anyway, I ended up a pastor. Uh, I was about 16 years old, and I started getting a sense that the Lord might be calling me into ministry. Before I got that sense, uh, my mom said something to me, uh, just suggesting, hey, maybe this would be uh, something that the Lord's doing. My pastor said something to me, and I I didn't think they were Hmm. foolish. I just didn't really see it. And anyway, with time, I began to get that impression, and then uh, the church that I was in affirmed that. I had opportunity to minister and uh, got more training. You know, the churches I was involved in continued to affirm that gift, and so uh, anyway, I guess that's the short of it, but it was a, a sense of internal calling as well as other people coming and, and speaking into my life and affirming that uh, God's direction there. So, yeah. How about you? That's awesome. So. I think there's some similarities there. You know, I will bring up an internal calling I felt as well, but I will say I think 
uh, as we talked about in the previous podcast, I think we read too much into those kind of senses of internal calling. And uh, that's never even a biblical idea of how you pursue a vocation uh, whatsoever, including pastorate. Uh, but I, when I was in high school, about not too, too terribly long after I was led to the Lord, maybe a year and a half, um, I remember I went on a missions trip uh, where I was asked to share the gospel, and uh, I didn't know what that meant. Uh, when I was told to share share my testimony, rather, uh, and there would be a translator, and I again I never don't didn't really know what that word meant, so I just kind of did what I saw people doing on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings in my church. I took a text of the Bible and I related it to our lives, uh, and uh, yeah, I kind of brought in my story a little bit, but it definitely wasn't a testimony. <laughs> it was more <laughs> sermonette, not what I was asked to do, uh, but I was affirmed by some leaders in the church that maybe God might be directing me to be a pastor and kind of uh, exposit the word and relate it to life in different areas, different age groups maybe even, uh, through that time. And, and I think God was really directing me, and I felt him pulling me to ministry. And that as well was affirmed along the way, especially in my church and seminary where the pastor really took time to really shepherd me and work with me and really saw God fanning to flame the gifts uh, that are that go along with the qualifications for pastoral ministry. So that's how I ended up in my vocation. vocation so somewhat similar. Yeah, cool. Um, and how have most people found their vocation throughout history? Has it been this kind of way that we described? No. Uh, most of them did what their parents did, uh, their mom or their dad. And uh, there's, you know, if it was the family business or they were farmers, you know, the parents trained them. Um, with time, maybe parents would send a child to to apprentice with some other tradesman, uh, this kind of thing. But often, you know, the parents were very vocal and involved in the process. Uh, there wasn't like, well, Johnny, what do you want to be when you grow up? Okay, you, you know, you 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 didn't you didn't have the choice of you can be whatever you want to be, shoot for the moon. You uh-huh. know, you just did what your parents did to to make a living, to to stay alive, literally. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I mean, that's been the main way throughout history. I mean, and even beyond times, the vast majority of people did what their daddy did uh, or through mom did. Uh, but uh, even cases where people didn't, cases where people kind of broke away from it, it was people done for vocations throughout most of history what was needed, not what they necessarily wanted to do. Uh, where there was an area of, of need in society, uh, where there was a spot to be filled, what was expected and thrown upon them rather than, you know, following their dreams in that kind of inherent way. Yes, it's <laughs> a good way of putting it. It was not that we have the luxury in some ways of, of doing that now. But even then, there's a lot of necessary things <laughs> that need to be done. Um, and so the the whole following your dreams is, uh, well, it's a little, it can be a little narcissistic. And, it can be. You know, we, but we don't have to go down that route. Now, we've looked at what people have done in the past. Uh, you know, should we go back to the old time religion? Uh, should parents determine their kids' vocational future just like they did in the past? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think they should give input, but I don't know that they should. I don't think they should determine it for their child. Uh, I, you could just think of a lot of scenarios where that may go wrong. And, and plus, the culture that we're in, at least in the West, you can see that being a recipe for you know existential disaster. Yeah, it's funny, because um, 
I, I definitely agree with you that we shouldn't expect that. And I think there are cases where it could be good. Uh, but, I mean, my dad comes from a line of home builders. Uh, his dad was a home builder. His dad's dad was a home builder and so on. Uh, and uh, I'm not a home builder. And I would be a lousy home builder. <laughs> it would not be a good fit for me. Uh, so I'm glad that uh, my, my dad does doesn't determine what I do. Uh, although I appreciate very much what he has done. And there's nowhere in the Bible that says, you know, you need to do what your dad does. Or you need to not do what your dad does. Or mom yeah. does. So. Uh, now, do you think that parents and churches have have backed off too much from involvement in future vocation? I think some have, and there has been the just follow your dreams, follow your heart, you can be whatever you want to be. Others have, I think maybe they've, they step in too much, and, and they, have, they know the plans that they have for their child, says the parent, uh-huh. and project that onto them pretty strongly. And uh, a friend of mine actually was, he was talking, he was a tennis coach and a teacher at some school, I think up in New England, maybe it was somewhere in the South, but uh, he lived in New England and there was a, the dad of this, this player, tennis player that he had was, he had some serious issues and he had apparently applied to an Ivy League school and been turned down. So he told his daughter, his daughter was, you know, a top flight student as well as a top flight tennis player. And he wanted her to, to apply to this Ivy League school, get accepted, and then turn them down just, you know, to show them. And, you know, there were a lot of other ways where he was stepping into her life trying to control it. And it just was really not a good situation. And so um, I don't know that this man was a Christian, but I mean, I've heard of other kind of circumstances like that. And so I think you can have kind of both extremes. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. So I I think more often we can be overly focused on autonomy. uh, And I think the reality is it's becoming more and more rare for uh, children following their parents' footsteps, or for even children, parents to have any role whatsoever, or churches have any role whatsoever in helping shepherd them into future vocations. And I think that's a shame, and I think it's perhaps an overreaction to what was also a problem in the past. But I agree with you that there are definitely examples where people use their children as uh, little tools, as little chess pieces for their own agenda. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, looking at work... Uh, what is vocation, and how is it different from career? As now, you know, this may be we're getting into some areas of disagreement, or just my lack of knowledge. But vocation, when I think about it, has the connotations of calling, um, with a sense of that there's the implication that you're called by God into this sphere of life. And it may not be a paid kind of thing where you're, you know, clocking in and out or getting a check for this. Uh, whereas career carries the idea of profession and payment, and so I have a career as a doctor. Um, so that's how I would distinguish the two. But what what are you thinking along those lines? Yeah, I mean, you're right, definitively to link it to calling, uh, vocation. As I mean, it's a term often applied to, you know, on a flow chart, applied to careers. But it is, I mean, it comes from Latin from for idea of calling. But I think this idea of calling that it comes from doesn't entail that kind of like mystical calling, but rather kind of the the calling uh, that God has placed upon you through your circumstances. Uh, that's when I understand it. But you know, you the area in which you really give yourselves uh, yourself. Uh, 
over and commit yourself specifically as your lot in life and, and how you serve God in that kind of sense. Um, so I think vocation is typically going to be your day job. For the vast majority of people, uh, vocation is, you know, working as a pastor or a plumber or whatever. Uh, but it can be being other things. You know, have a career means uh, you're getting paid. Uh, you, your vocation can be being a student. Uh, that can be your calling based upon your situation in life that God has used and brought together. It can be being a mom. Uh, it can be being, I know of a, I know of a friend uh, who takes care of uh, their, their mother uh, who is of poor health, and that's kind of their vocation right now and the, their area, their calling in life uh, to give their vast majority of their time to that. Yeah, I like the way you described that. Now, are uh, vocations callings from God? Possibly, but not in a, a strict technical sense always, I guess. Uh, but the way you described it in terms of the circumstances that you have and how God uses that to uh, move you to a certain kind of action. Yeah, um, I mean, the term has been used to talk about vocations as calling from God, uh, but I don't think it's correct to refer to them, you know, like I got a message from the Lord that I'm called to XYZ vocation. Now, some people may have unique uh experiences and circumstances the lord is free to do as he pleases and now again this is unique situation but like paul i mean he did he was told he was to go to the gentiles um i don't know that or i'm i'm confident we're not all to expect the same kind of experience of you know the lord blinding us with his glory and these kinds of things but um there's one where maybe it was an exception was made um so one here's an example like youth and children's ministry, you know, music ministry, dance ministry, puppet ministry, you know, whatever you want to hash it out and, and, and parse it up. Um, I mean, from the Bible, you can't say, well, the Lord has called me to such and such. You know, he may have gifted you uniquely to excel and to minister well yeah. in those particular areas. Um, I don't know about a couple of those in that list, but um, but anyway, I mean, that's just kind of my, my musings on that. But um what are, what are your thoughts? No, that's good. I think that's a lot along the lines of my thoughts. Uh, so, yeah, I think in some sense it is a calling from God, clearly. I've interacted with some in one specific career, uh, in addition to being pastor, that really stressed that what they're doing is God's divine call on their life. And if they don't do that, they're like rebelling against God, and which really relates a lot to what we talked about, about God's revealing his will. Uh, and I don't think calling is that. And I think even for like the pastor, typically, I mean, the main way that the pastor is seen is um, the, the Bible talks about those who seek to be a pastor, those who seek the office of the pastor, seek a good thing. Uh, so I think God uses these thing that we, things that we do speak. Uh, and it may not, God's calling, God's vocation for us may not be being the pastor. It's not going to be from the sky like that, probably. But God calls us to do whatever good vocation we seek for his glory. So in a lot of ways, God is calling us through what we're seeking so long as we're seeking it for his glory. So yes and no, kind of. It's uh, maybe not the most helpful answer, but I think the most true answer. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Um, But what does the Bible say about our vocation? Or is this just kind of some unspiritual sphere of our life where we don't really have to apply the Bible? I think it is very spiritual. Um, 
in First Corinthians seven, Paul is addressing a number of things. He's talking about marriage <laughs> in particular uh, in the passage, and some stuff that's going on, questions that the Corinthians have. And in verse seventeen, he says, "Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, and to which God has called him." Now, in the context, he's um, he's referring to the powerful gospel call into God's kingdom through repentance and faith as I understand it. But then he's applying it into different situations. Like if you're a slave, um, hey, you're God's freeman. Uh, but if you have the chance to get out of your slavery, go pursue that. But in he he tries to, to draw the connection between um, God's calling into his kingdom as the primary way of thinking. That your first identity is a child of God now as a Christian and not these other things that you have going on. Um, and so the Bible does address these things. It's just our work that we do, we're supposed to do it as unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. And he's addressing that to, to whoever, slaves. Um, and so there are a number of ways that Scripture does, uh, just that the big picture addresses the way that we do our, our work and our vocation, our calling from God. That's great. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing is that scripture shows that our vocation is for the Lord. Our work is unto the Lord, like you said. I think a lot of ways you're referring to Colossians 3.23, whether directly or not. Uh, but also Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. So we're called to commit and give our work over to the Lord. Decide to work as unto the Lord, as a service to God, rather than just as kind of what we do during the week. Um, Proverbs has a lot to say about uh, work. And I think also we see from the Bible that work goes back to the original creation and probably will be seen in the future garden and our future new heavens, new earth. Our future dwelling will probably work. And I think we see this, uh, especially in the creation, having work as an, as an important facet even before the fall. Genesis 2.15 said, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. This is before the fall. And lastly, I think that scripture shows uh, in Ephesians 4.28, especially that uh, really our work is meant to be given to us for the sake of sharing. Uh, we do make an income through our work most of the time. Uh, some people have been slaves throughout history. Uh, but that income is important, and it's important to gather income for the sake of sharing with God's people. Uh, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Yeah, I thought that was good, just bringing in a number of different witnesses from Scripture. Uh, and I liked how you alluded to Proverbs many times, and we had a recent conversation with Dan Estes talking about Proverbs and how it addresses so many of these practical issues of life, how it's it's valuable for young people in particular, but for people of all ages. And so um, and that was a well-rounded answer. Thank you. I appreciate it. That was a good discussion we have. And if you are listening to this as one of your first podcast listeners, I encourage you to go back and listen uh, to the one that Ben was referring to there. So, Now, how do Christians approach their vocations differently than the world does? Well, as you were just saying, it is as unto the Lord. Um, work as the, not working for, for men, but for the Lord. Realizing that your job is from him and it is for him. And it is through him that you are able to do that work. And that's sort of taking a quote from a Romans 11, I think it's 33 or 36. It's 33 through 36 for the context, kind of summing up all of God's plan of salvation, that all of this is from him and through him and to him. Um, and so you 
you live and move and have your being in the Lord. And so you're doing this work um, with him at the focus. You know, God also made the creation good originally. And so our approach to work and our work itself says something about that belief. Um, we're not just twiddling our thumbs waiting for Jesus to return and, you know, burn everything up. Um, so how we put him on display uh, in his world and as his image bearers, uh, and especially as those who've been recreated by him to look like the perfect image of his son, Jesus, uh, that says a lot about what we believe. And so um, we're going to stand out or we ought to stand out from unbelievers who are not viewing it that way. I mean, it's just not the same grid that they're looking through. That's helpful. So I'd add a couple things to it. I would add, uh, you know, I think Christians don't idolize their work, which is something that, I mean, some do. There's some that are lazy, but there's some that come to a point of idolizing other work. And the Christian approach to work is not to find your identity or, or idolize and worship who you are through your work. Um, yeah. The I think Christians... Uh, stand out and approach their work differently by having contentment in their situation, wherever their work is, wherever their vocation is. They can have contentment in the Lord. Um, I think Christians are called to work hard when nobody cares or no one's watching, uh, when it doesn't cost you anything uh, to be lazy, uh, to kind of uh, to hide things or lie. I think Christian avoids those kinds of things because they see their work as unto the Lord. Uh, and I think lastly... I think the Christian sees their job, their um, workforce, their coworkers as an opportunity to share the gospel as a real missions field. They see that not that uh, there's this idea where the sacred and the secular are divided and their work is only holy if they're sharing the gospel, but still they understand that they're likely working with lost people and that's going to be the main area in which they're going to be able to share the life-giving uh, message of the story of Jesus to someone. Right. I mean, you and I spend a lot of our time in a uh, not a holy building, but a building and where we're working with Christians, um, whether other employees or the the members of our church. And so now I think when you're working with youth and children, that can be less so than those working with adults in a church. But um, we just interact with lost people less frequently. Yeah, we do. Uh, I think that provides a really perfect uh, segue into the next question that we have. Are some vocations like pastor more holy than other vocations? Uh, and whether or not they are, how do we sometimes act like they might be? Well, first of all, I like to be referred to as your grace. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, they're not. Um, it's all God's world. And, I mean, as you well know, that kind of idea did— surface in the history of the church and people like Martin Luther kind of helped to attack that and say, no, it's, it's whatever work we're doing. It is holy to the Lord. It's all God's world. And he gives us all areas of responsibility, whether that is pastoring his people and preaching his word or wiping noses and cooking or fixing, you know, wheelbarrows or, or whatever it may be. Um, you know, we can tend to esteem pastors and missionaries sometimes too much. Certain spheres of the church tend to really exalt people like that, like they're the, the serious Christians. Um, other segments sometimes, at least with pastors, maybe the missionaries are seen as sort of like the Green Beret, uh, Navy SEAL Christians, and so there can be a higher level of respect. Um, but with pastors, I mean, I think of just 
stories I've heard people I know in the West, in particular in America, where the pastor has been very poorly treated, but in other branches of the church, even in America, the pastor is put up on this pedestal um, and just revered, and people kind of live vicariously through him. But um, we can also view other spheres and vocations uh, apart from ministry as sort of like necessary evils, or yeah. they're just sort of there, um, as if they don't have anything to do with the Lord um, or loving other people, bringing about blessing to others, um, that kind of thing. There's no real connection. It's just, well, I've got to do this to make some money, um, take care of things, and then. But the the ministry stuff is really the stuff that matters. Yeah. I think even some of our vernacular has an impact of it, which I'll get to in a second. But I, I definitely agree that we do act like uh, pastors are more holy or more of a sacred position, uh, closer to God of a vocation than other ones. Uh, but I definitely don't think the Bible treats it as that. I mean, Jesus actually says about those who will be sit at his right hand are those who do the will of, of his Father. It's not those who have this honored and sacred position. Uh, of being a pastor. And I think, and like youth ministry, I think we can often see this. Uh, sometimes in youth ministry, there can be an attitude of setting up mature teens and kids with like a lofty goal of being a pastor or being a missionary. You know, if you're the one, the more spiritually mature ones, we got to talk to you about maybe God's calling you to be a pastor or missionary. When maybe God's God's directing them to work at Arby's and share the gospel and work hard. Uh, you know, maybe God's directing them to be an attorney uh, unto the Lord. Uh, and I think when we even approach it and think about it in this kind of way, that if somebody's showing great maturity, we inherently need to think about the pastoral perspective for them. I think it kind of betrays this kind of exaltation overly of pastoral ministry and, and even being a missionary. Uh, and I think with how our language shows this, uh, first of all, uh, there's a term, I mean, it's used common. Pastors are called ministers. Uh, ministers, you know, that, that term, really minister implies they're the ones that do the ministry. They're the ones that do ministry unto the Lord, which is not biblical. In fact, the Bible actually shows pastors are the ones that equip the, the members to do the ministry of the Lord. Uh, but when you see them as the ministers, the holy people, uh, then you really overly elevate uh, the, the uh, calling and that. Uh, and I think even like one denomination that we know of well, even by its very name, I think exalts like exalts uh, pastors or missionaries, depending upon what you know of this, into like an exalted place of being in addition to regular Christians. There's regular Christians, and then and then those regular Christians are called to be together with those super Christians. Uh, and I think it, it's common to have that kind of mentality, unfortunately. You know, even me, I've interacted with when I, I remember when I was in college, uh, when I first started pursuing being a pastor, I had a somebody who would literally use King James language around me uh, at my work, at my summer job, kind of thinking that this is like a holier calling. <laughs> um that's that's awesome how do parents uh, disciple their kids through their own vocations intentionally or not you know how do they do this in ways that are hurtful unintentionally or how do they do this in a way that's helpful intentionally perhaps i think the first way that comes to mind is by they how how they do their their vocation um they could do it in a lazy manner. They can do it honestly. They can do it diligently. They can do it complaining. They can do it with gratitude. Um, we could multiply that list, but just how they go about it day to day, their children are watching. And so, you know, a dad that's 
going and doing his work and he comes back and he's just, you know, griping about the boss and, you know, the stupid people that he works with and, um, you know, this kind of thing, disrespectful towards his authority, the kids are observing. Um, or a mom, you know, she's working outside the home or she's working inside the home and just her outlook on that, that says a whole lot. That's a whole lot of, of uh, instruction that is caught and not taught, but also by how they, they talk about it or they don't talk about it. Uh, and there can be just direct instruction and direct comments made, you know, wise parent taking advantage of the opportunities that they have as they go about and they think, oh, this is a chance for me to pass on a little tidbit about work in general to my child. Yeah. No, that's great. So, um, you know, sometimes I think we can be misleading and, and talking about you must must disciple your kid. But the truth is we all do disciple our kids, uh, whether it's good or not. We, we do mean that you must disciple your kid intentionally in a very positive way. But a lot of the things you mentioned are ways that we do negatively disciple our kids. I like, you know, when you, when you talk negatively about the boss, I mean, that's teaching. That's raising up your kids in a way, just not a way that you should be. Or another way, uh, you know, with vocation, when you go to Burger King and you're short with the employee and you treat the uh, Burger King employee as beneath you, you're discipling your kid into a theology of vocation, one that's a really bad one. Uh, but I think positively you can un- even unintentionally do this by uh, ha- just having a sense of thankfulness, um, a thankfulness towards, you know, the work that you've done towards, you know, the opportunity that you have uh, and be appreciative of the fact that you've been given this time, this opportunity for income, opportunity to serve the Lord. And I think that this show, that kind of thing shows that work is good. Even when your work is hard, I think that shows our kids that work is something that God has given us and that is good for us. Yeah, absolutely. So how do we daily train our kids to see their future vocations as more of an opportunity to serve God than just an opportunity to make money and be happy? I think first you have to take in his word and let the priorities that you see in his word as a whole. So I guess you kind of develop a, a theology of work and of just what is God doing in this world? Why are we here? Just really basic questions. Taking that in and letting the, the, his priorities and his kingdom agenda take over our story individually and that of our children and, and us as a family as a whole. Um, so that you're not just thinking, all right, I want my child to get really good grades so they can get a really good education so they can get a really good job, make really good money, and then have kids and repeat the process. While those can be blessings, they can also be enslaving curses. They can be idols that keep us from calling out on the Lord. And so just taking in, okay, this is what's most important to God. Um, I think you pray for them you pray for the children in front of the children so they hear you doing that or your teenager. I don't just mean when I say child, I don't just mean like little one. Um, again, how, by how you do your work, just being aware that they are catching what you're doing, they are observing. And so um, paying attention to that and again, how you're talking about it or how you're not talking about it. And then in showing them just the inherent value of the work, trusting in the Lord in the midst of your work, even as they age, you have opportunity as wisdom dictates, um, sharing with them some struggle you're having at work or how they could pray for you. Right? Mm. This is this is something that's going on, uh, showing a level of humility and your dependence on God in your work. 
Yeah, I don't really want to add anything to that. I think that's really great. So thank you for that. So that's really helpful. So how can family ministry properly venerate all good vocations while rejecting vocations as idols? Um, I would put, I would tend to punt a lot of this more towards the parents, whether that's right or wrong. I'm not entirely sure, but I think we have to teach them that God is a God who works and he has made us in his image. He has made us to work, um, you know, from creation, God was uh, working. And I guess I haven't stopped to ponder was God working in eternity past, but at least what we have in, in our history, God working from the, the first day of creation. And Jesus talks about that. My father's at work. I do the work he gives me. So that is a thing, you know, that, that pleases the Lord for us to work. And um, also helping kids to be thankful for those who do work and serve us in various ways. You know, hey, how can we be thankful for the people who serve and work? And helping to recast it as just something we do to make money so we can buy stuff. Again, that is part of why we work, but it's not just to fill our consumer desires. Like you were quoting from Ephesians about, you know, let the thief steal no more and work honestly so that he may give to his brother in need, things like that. But also that work is a way of benefiting and blessing others um, as well as ministering to the body of Christ and those in need. And so just helping to recast the conversation and their imagination about work because as they get older, they're going to be thinking – I mean little kids are thinking about I want to be a fireman or I want to be the president or a ball player, this kind of stuff. And as they get closer to completing high school, you know, they're having an idea of, oh, I think I want to do this. I want to do that. Yeah. And so – Giving them some some guide rails, I guess. I think that's what great. So, uh, and I think in addition to that, um, I think we one thing I think it's easy, especially in my area of uh, ministry, uh, that where I work more with youth now than I work with children, like I did in the past. I think sometimes it's easy to elevate some teens and even some kids who want church leadership uh, with, among the, whether it be volunteers that kind of do this or whether it be the pastoral staff that kind of overly elevate those who aspire to this kind of role. I think even an intentional way, sometimes it can happen, but I think we got to be careful not to do that while we teach them biblical understandings of work and how they're to approach work as a young adult. Uh, one thing actually that that came about through conviction through me and my own failure was uh, I remember this summer in the beginning of summer, we kind of had a time where we decided to have a prayer for those who are going on mission trips and those who are doing uh, things like ministry related this summer. Uh, and uh, we kind of took them up front. We prayed for them together in youth group. And I was really convicted that, uh, I mean, there's some of our youth that weren't able to do that kind of stuff because they're taking summer jobs, which is a good thing in a lot of ways. And so Mm -hmm. we decided to, as well, the following week before a lot of our youth went off to summer jobs where they might even be out of out of our county uh, to take a time to as well pray for them as they go about their summer jobs. And we tried to just as much see this as when done for the Lord as an opportunity to serve the Lord. It's not always that, you know, uh, it's only that way when it's actually done as unto the Lord. But uh, we pray that it would be the case. And I think that in some ways really taught, I hope at least, uh, taught our our youth to have a biblical perspective of vocation as all of this is good and not just a means unto an end. I like that. Um, I like that a lot. Dude, did you pray for the kids who are going to be sitting at home playing Fortnite and that kind of thing? Yeah, that's their vocation for the summer. Right? 
<laughs> vocation taking down some noobs in Fortnite. No, we did not do that. <laughs> we don't have to celebrate everyone. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Now, how can parents help guide their children and youth in their choice of future vocation? And by the way, I do want to say before you answer, your last uh, question, you really did answer that this is really the main, mainly the parent's job in this kind of thing. And I agree with you that especially because a lot of ministry is done by those who are professionally pastors, uh, you know, and uh, the dad might be a home builder or might work at Burger King or work, you know, in any kind of vocation. And I think in a lot of ways, there's ways in which uh, the father and the mother can shepherd in vocation in ways that just the church leaders can't. Mm. Yeah, it's helpful to note. So I think that parents can can help their children to look and see, you know, what is God like first? And, you know, then, hey, God has made you to be like him. You got to start with him. What is he like? And then how can help them to look? How can you show what God is like with how He has made you individually. Getting just to think about those kind of questions, point out their strengths and their weaknesses, um, help them to uncover things that they're still learning about themselves. I, I remember when I was, I don't know, maybe in high school or early college, people talked about discovering themselves and this kind of stuff, and I thought it was just so stupid. Now, I think it can get into all kind of silly stuff, but there are things that I learned about myself over time who, oh, I didn't. I was not even aware that this was a tendency of mine. I had blind spots, and so mm -hmm. there is something to that. I mean, regardless of how we talk about it, there are, we don't know ourselves exhaustively. Only God does, and so just helping them to uncover things about themselves, um, ask good questions of them, give them chances to fail, um, and I guess I would discourage the you know you can just be whatever you want to be and all that. I mean, because no, realistically you can't. I mean, I heard a comedian joking about this. He went to some orientation, uh, for his child in high school and they were talking about how, uh, you know, they could just be whatever they wanted to be. And he said, man, they're just lying to those kids. He said, yeah, there's like four of them. They can, the rest of them better, better learn how to weld, uh, <laughs> because you, you know, and even then it helps to know somebody, um, just, the real life doesn't work that way. And so I don't think you, you squelch creativity in this kind of thing, but at the same time, giving them a realistic picture that it's not just all about you chasing your wildest dreams. Yeah. Like some movie would make you believe. That's all really great. One thing I'd add to that is I think parents have the unique ability to really help uh, their kids in investigate the motivations be behind their pursuit and whatever uh, pursuit they say they want to have for a career. And I think assess that and assess whether or not this is a God-fearing motivation. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned mm -hmm. a lot of the careers that people want to be when they're kids. I mean, I'll, there's a hugely disproportionate number of people who want to be president or want to be the football <laughs> star or want to be uh, uh, for a famous actor. And I think... We have a biblical view that, you know, kids are sinners. And we can honestly realize that most people don't want to be president when they're a kid because they want to benevolently, benevolently help people and uh, navigate uh, difficult uh, relations between countries. And said so they want to be it because they want to be the most powerful person in the, in the, in the free world. Uh, you know, they, they want to be an actor because they want to be seen and celebrated. Uh, and they want to be a football player because they want to have fun for a and get paid a lot of money to have fun. Uh, and, you know, and none of those are necessarily <laughs> great approaches to a vocation. 
Uh, but uh, I think even then, as they get older, it can be easy, you know, to have a, an idea of, of I want to pursue this, uh, but not from a perspective of glorifying God. And I think sometimes parents can redirect in a way, not saying, you know, oh, you're good at writing, therefore you should write sermons, but saying, you know, oh, maybe you shouldn't be directing this gift of writing in a way that just really glorifies self, but try to use it in a way that really can honor the Lord by doing good, hard work, go into profession where you can grow as a Christian uh, rather than one, you know, where you'll just kind of elevate yourself. Uh, and I think those are all helpful ways. On top of what you said, which I think is hugely important, that parents can really shape and mold the kids in these things. Yeah, and I'm one example that may probably some of our listeners at least will be familiar with when you relate it to ministry some guy has a sense he has a desire thinks he's called whatever language we want to use that he should preach and he's given an opportunity to do it maybe even multiple times and then the guy gets up there he's just unclear you don't really know what he's talking about <laughs> where he's going with it he can't really land the plane um it's really that a church's responsibility to tell that guy God may not be calling you to do this. Um, now, how you go about that, there's that's tricky. But looking to see are your gifts better suited and, and your the way that God has made you, whether it's not spiritual gifts or, or not, but um, how God has made you, is it best suited toward this? But I like really like what you said about uncovering those motives. And lastly, how can the local church equip young people with biblical wisdom for their future vocations? Well, teach them well the whole counsel of God. And if Paul talks about that to the Ephesian elders, um, teaching them the whole scope of Scripture, not just our favorite stories or character lessons or this kind of thing. Um, help them see God's story, God's priorities, and how they fit into it. That they, God is doing something in human history, and it is— I mean, this is a little, I don't know, corny or something, but it is his story that he is enacting. Um, and so we fit in that somehow. You know, God is not a stagehand in our story. Yeah, We are part of his story. And so seeing – now, that doesn't mean that we should all become pastors and missionaries. Um, some are sent, and to have those that are sent, you have to have senders. But – that may be that you do something that's not glamorous in the eyes of the world, but you're doing as unto the Lord. But saying, how can I fit into God's story, what he's doing? And then I think that those things kind of help frame the conversation and the decision-making process. When you give them, you can't tell them what to think, but you can give them the help frame what they're thinking about and, and how they go about thinking about it. And so kind of asking those preliminary questions, and again, which from the motivations um, that we're seeking to glorify God and, and trying to see, well, is that your desire or is it just glorifying myself? I mean, like mm -hmm. I've seen some research showing, you know, not even that long ago, teenagers wanted to be uh, rich when they grew up. Now that has shifted to I want to be famous. Um and not that they wouldn't want to be rich, but if they had to pick, they would like to be famous and known like on social media, famous YouTuber or Instagram or whatever else, just having the spotlight on them and people knowing who they are. And so it's just interesting to watch how the idols change over time. But I mean, I think people like rich and famous. So Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they'll take both. Uh, I think <laughs> they both. So yeah, I, I think those are all good words to say. All uh, right. A couple little things I'd add to that. I think in this kind of thing, 
uh, and showing how you can have biblical wisdom for future vocation, I think one little thing that can help is having healthy and godly lay elders, uh, elders that, you know, or, you know, deacons even, if that's your structure, your church, that work full time as a plumber or work full time as a welder, whatever, uh, but then still are committed to the church and, you know, and work in those professions as unto the Lord and use those professions to glorify God. Because I think sometimes when we just promote those who are vocationally in ministry, uh, then I think that we can do an error of not equipping the vast majority of our members uh, to do the great work of the Lord in a average vocation and the more common vocations that don't involve working in a church. But I think even with that, I think we actually also promote heavily. We should promote heavily other vocations as frontline work. I've heard it said, actually Mark Dever on I Marks will often talk about, you know, how uh, those who work in a secular vocation uh, do the frontline work of the kingdom in ways that, you know, the reality is me and you as pastors, we aren't able to have nearly as many relationships with lost people as somebody who works for a factory or works for a sheriff's department or something like that. And so in that kind of way, the me- the members that don't work for the church do a lot of this great frontline work of evangelism to, gr- to grow the kingdom in ways that we really couldn't. Yeah, I really, really like what you said there. Um, I was having a conversation with one of our members just the other day. Give her a a shout-out, Valerie. She teaches at a technical school here in town, and she said that she opens up her classes and just is very overt that she's a believer. And so that influences how she teaches and how she she goes about doing the work that she's training uh, her students to do. And so sometimes – as opportunity arises, you know, students will come to her with questions. She even says, or somebody asks her a direct question, well, how do you handle this difficult situation? She says, well, for me, you know, my faith um, is a, a big part of that, but then these are also other strategies. And um, through that, she's had a lady who, and I'm sure multiple over the years where she's had an opportunity to talk more to them about uh, the things of the Lord and just spiritual things kind of off the clock because students had questions. And, um, you know, she's out there on the front lines and, and working with a lot yeah. of lost people, I'm sure. And so um, I think that was just a great example. She's bold in, in opening up like that. And uh, anyway, she's not preaching a sermon to them. She's just saying this affects – and I think it's a great way it ties into this conversation – it's showing our faith in Christ should affect the way we do our work. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, Ben, have you ever heard the uh, song "Working for the Weekend" by Lover Boy? Um, I'm not really a music guy, so I'm a bad one to ask. Okay. Uh, well, there's a uh, it's kind of a one hit wonder from the early '80s uh, song called "Working for the Weekend." Uh, and I'm th- uh, when we think about work, often I think about these lyrics. They're not very good lyrics. It's not a very good song, to be clear. It was a popular <laughs> song, though. Uh, and uh, the song says over and over, everybody's working for the weekend. I don't think Christians are working for the weekend. I think Christians are working for the glory of God, or at least we should be. Would you agree with that? Yes, yes. Uh, I, you know, you, you've got the, the music end corner because it used to be in the garage band and all that so <laughs> i should have figured that you have this vast musical library in your mind <laughs> anyway well it was good talking to you today about this important subject brother
Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, God bless. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.